Welcome to a special edition of the Truth for the Matterverse podcast. This is episode number 76. I'm your host, Jonathan, and I'm here with our special guest. But first, let us begin by recognizing and appreciating all of our new and consistent listeners. <laughs> we thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. Now, before we begin with our discussion, of course, we're going to do prayer. But for any new listeners out there, we want you to know that the Truth for the Matter is podcast. It's all about providing an honest, contextual, historized, philosophical, and psychological view of the Bible through the use of hermeneutics, while also sharing some personal experiences from myself and Daniel. Today, we have a new voice that will join us. We hope that all our listeners will receive knowledge and open perspective. The Truth of the Matter is podcast is all about providing practical ways of applying God's word to everyday life. Today, we will praise God for another new testimony that we will hear. We hope that after hearing this gentleman that you will be uplifted. We hope that you will see how a encounter with Jesus will guarantee you that your life will never be the same. So our, our guest today is Pastor Scott Lampier. Is that correct? Did I pronounce it right? Lapierre. Okay. who is a teacher pastor of Woodland Christian Church he's an author of several books Enduring Trials God's Way A Father Offering His Son Your Finances God's Way Work and Rest God's Way and his latest book Your Marriage God's Way Pastor Scott is also a conference speaker he holds masters in biblical studies from Liberty University. Scott and his wife, Katie, have nine children and they are passionate homeschool advocates. God is a former school teacher and army officer. Quite the resume, I might add. So welcome to The Truth of the Matter is. How are you doing today, uh, Pastor Good, Scott? Jonathan. Thanks a lot for having me. Glad to be here with you and your listeners. Thank you so much. So, you know, what was the message for today, the word for today that you had given, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks for asking. So I taught Sunday school. Uh, generally, our associate pastor does Sunday school, but I did Sunday school today, which was on the reliability of Scripture. I talked about how Scripture has been passed down throughout the millenniums and why we can trust the translations that we have today. And then for the sermon, I've been working my way through Luke's gospel verse by verse. And I talked about we're in Luke 16, where it says that the law and the prophets were preached until John and what exactly that means. I think it's kind of confusing, but it basically means that Christ was hidden or veiled in the Old Testament through types and shadows. But then when John the Baptist came on the scene, you know, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And so it was not it was no longer veiled. I mean, he identified Christ. You could see him in the flesh. There's no there's no more shadows. The veil has been lifted. And so that's why it says the law and the prophets or the Old Testament was preached until John, because when John came, he identified Christ to the people. Okay. Yeah, we actually just got finished doing Luke. Probably about 60, 66 episodes of going through oh. most of it, you know, almost verse <clears throat> by verse, but looking at, you know, different aspects of how you can apply some of the scriptures that were in there. So it'd be interesting. So that's that's good. That's <laughs> good. So before we begin, we obviously start with prayer. So anyone who is listening, bow your head so we can pray. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for each and every day because it is truly a gift that you have given us. The breath of life that you breathe into Adam, we thank you 
for the opportunity that you have given us to fellowship with Pastor Scott. Lord, you said anytime two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. So we thank you for our guest, Pastor Scott. We appreciate the time he has set aside to provide us with his personal testimony. Lord, the beautiful thing about personal testimonies is when we hear it, we get an opportunity to be witnesses of how you have been a blessing to him, his wife, and his beautiful kids. Lord, you said in Romans, let us be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, Lord. So we pray that all who are listening would in fact be encouraged by Pastor Scott's faith. Just like we can look in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 and we can encounter all those who had their faith in you, Lord, even those who weren't mentioned but deserve high regard, Lord, open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to receive, and our hearts to understand today. Allow all who decide to tune in today to leave with a different perspective on life and how your word can make a difference in someone's life. Let them know that you are the bread of life, that you are the only way, truth, and the life, that you are the beginning, the end, that your name is above all names, that your name is what we need to remember and also share, Lord, that at your name, all, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. Therefore, Lord, all in agreement, say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, no problem. So, Pastor Scott, <clears throat> where were you born? Good, yeah. So I was born in upstate New York, but we moved out to California when I was one. And so I spent most of my life in Northern California. That's probably the um, where I'd say I grew up. Uh, that's where I met my wife. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. It was just my brother and I. I was raised in a moral home. We we're religious. We went uh, to the Catholic Church regularly. I was an altar boy. Um, my brother was about 14 months younger than me. And so I... Um, yeah, just spent spent my life there in the mountains. Played sports. Did uh, you know was involved in most of the athletics I could be involved in. It was a small school, and try and did pretty well in in with my athletics and with my academics. I would say, but again, not a Christian at that time. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember any dreams and aspirations that you had growing up that you were looking to pursue? Yeah, good. So I had a. I guess I would say a pretty worldly desire to kind of get older and make a lot of money, um, you know, marry a, you know, beautiful woman that hopefully made a lot of money too. I wasn't thinking really eternally or anything like that. You know, I thought I was a good person because I hadn't murdered anyone or committed adultery. And obviously I had not read what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount about committing adultery or murder in our hearts, or else I would have seen that I was definitely a, a murderer and adulterer in my heart because I've let, I had lusted and been angry with people. Um, and so I just pretty much want to grow up, be, you know, responsible, have a good job, make a lot of money and marry some beautiful woman. And that was pretty much about all I aspired to at that time. (laughs) And would you say when you were in your senior year in high school, did you have a particular career that you were looking to pursue or? Yeah, good. So I had attended something called Boys State and there was a gentleman there that was involved with the military and we went and talked to him and he kind of introduced me to the idea of applying for an ROTC scholarship so that my college would be paid for. And that kind of took a new direction for my life because then I received this ROTC scholarship, went into ROTC um, during college. I don't know if any, if any of your listeners are not familiar with ROTC, the way it works is it's a college program and the day that you graduate college and get your degree you also are sworn in as an officer and so i graduated college and then immediately became an an army officer okay 
So how did this end up with you, you know, learning about Christ or Christ finding you? <clears throat> yeah, good. So I got out of the military and then I wanted to teach and coach. And I, you know, I'd probably say, Jonathan, I guess I could have answered your question earlier uh, a little better. When I was in high school, I did aspire to be a teacher and a coach. But then this, I met this military gentleman that said my college could be paid for if I went through ROTC and it would make me really marketable. And so when I got out of the military, I got a job. I was pretty marketable because businesses look for individuals called JMOs, junior military officers, which I was one of those. And I got a high paying job at Target, a distribution center for Target as a middle manager in my early 20s. And I just really hated it, even though I made a lot of money. <clears throat> and so I got out of that as soon as I could get a job teaching. And I started teaching elementary school and coaching. I loved it, thought I would do it the rest of my life. And during my second year teaching, that's when I became a Christian. It's it's just like God kind of surrounded me with a number of Christians. And through some circumstances uh, with my brother's death, which I can talk about, I ended up going to a church for the a Christian church for the first time and hearing the gospel. So if you want to hear more about that, just let me know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can <clears throat> expand a little bit about that. Like how did that yeah. So, okay. You know, I, let me just say this, right? So, you know, would you say that just your encounter of being around loving people and being in an environment where it seemed to be, you know, high spirited and positivity that got you? Because, you know, a lot of people sometimes end up in, you know, the math, the mosque, you're right? for the Muslims, or they end up hearing something like, you know, the new age stuff now and they gravitate to something, you know, they gravitate, they gravitate to it. Or, you know, you hear about meditation, you hear about yoga. So what about this particular experience that you got involved in that you were so sure and certain that it was the path you needed to walk on? Okay, good. So yeah, I definitely uh, do not believe people get saved by being with nice people or being in a loving environment or, um, you know, here new age, or I'm, I'm anti cults. I'm anti, anti the occult. I think I'm a pretty conservative guy. And so I definitely would not want anyone to think that I became a Christian simply from being around nice, wonderful, loving people. Mm -hmm. I can say they helped draw me to Christ mm -hmm. or God used them to draw me to church where I heard the gospel, but it was, it's really only hearing the gospel that saves us. And so what happened was, uh, I told you my brother and I grew up together. And during high school, he started, we kind of went two different directions. He kind of started partying. And mm -hmm. I kind of kept going the same road I'd been going on with athletics and academics. And he ended up getting addicted to, to drugs, to pain pills. And he ended up overdosing when I, uh, which was a shock to me because he didn't look like your typical drug addict, you know, on the street, living in alleys or something. He was addicted to pain pills, which um, he was still working out. He, he also enlisted in the military, which is something we had in common that, that improved our relationship. Um, he was jumping out of airplanes. He was part of the 82nd Airborne, and he was able to get these pain pills from the hospital in the military, about as many pills as he wanted. And so then when he got out of the military, he did not have access to these pain pills anymore that he had become addicted to. And at this time, we didn't really know how bad his addiction was because he was lifting weights. He was actually taking steroids. He looked really good and healthy and strong. And But then we received the phone call that he was arrested because he was breaking into people's houses to get into their medicine cabinets to get pain pills. Um, and that let us know how bad his, his addiction was because when he was in the military, he could just go to the military hospital and get pretty much as many pain pills as he wanted. But when he got out of the military and he didn't have access to all these pain pills, he started breaking into people's houses to get them. 
I remember going to this jail with my parents and talking to my brother on the other side of the glass. And it was like, you know, this, it just seemed like out of a movie or something. It seemed like a dream because we were not, you know, raised like this. This is something that would happen in other families, but not ours. And so then not, not long after that, my brother tried to get back in the military probably so he would have ac- access to more pills and because his life wasn't on a very good direction outside of the military. So he wanted to get back in the military, get his life on track. Uh, but that's when he went out East, but he couldn't get back in the military at that point because he had a felony record from breaking into houses. And he ended up overdosing soon after that. And I remember my dad called me because my dad's pretty quiet and he doesn't, it's always my mom who calls me and, sh- and they told me that he had, he had overdosed. And so at that time I was teaching with these Christians and the assist, my assistant principal was a Christian and they all went to the same church where the, where the, one of the women I taught with her father was the pastor. So I had a group of Christians that went to the same church and one of the teacher's fathers was the pastor. And they had been inviting me for months at that point to go to church with them. And so here's the thing, Jonathan, this is probably an important detail. You know, I was raised Catholic and I wasn't like anti-Catholic, but I was concerned that I was Catholic because I was raised Catholic. And if I had been raised in a Mormon family or in China or, you know, um, India, I'd be Buddhist or Hindu or so I just thought, Lord, I mean, I, and I, and the Catholic church, I only recited prayers. And so I did, it might've been one of the only sincere prayers I had ever prayed. I said, Lord, if you want me to be Catholic, I will be Catholic. But if Catholicism is wrong, I don't know what, where to go or what to do. So I need you to, to show me basically. And then, and then that was it. And I didn't think too much about that prayer, but then through a number of circumstances, I feel like this is how the Lord introduced me to Christianity. So these teachers, these people I'm working with are inviting me to church and I'm not going. <clears throat> and then uh, my brother dies and they, they learned that news and they were all pretty, pretty compassionate to me. And they said, and one of them in particular said, Hey, look, we've been inviting you to church for, you know, months now and you haven't been going, but why don't you really should come now because our pastor lost his brother when he was about your age, his brother was murdered. It's not the same as your situation, but he lost his brother too. And you can go talk to him. And so I was struggling and I even thought that it would, that it would minister to my parents if they got the news, <laughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I even thought it would bless my parents if they heard that I was going to church because they knew that I was struggling. And so I go to this church not to be saved, not to be born again, nothing like that. Cause I already thought I was going to heaven. I already thought I was a good person. So I didn't think I needed to go to church, repent of my sins, or I didn't think I needed a savior to be saved from my sins. None of this stuff that's very common in, in Christianity. Mm-hmm. I went there simply to talk to this pastor who had lost his brother And so interestingly, I went with my girlfriend that I was with at the time and we go into the church. I didn't bring a Bible with me. They ended up handing me a Bible and I sat down and the pastor, you know, told us to open our Bibles. It was a pretty small church to a certain passage. And then he read a verse and explained it, read a verse and explained it. And it was just this life changing moment for me because I could tell, I believed God was speaking to me through his word uh, it bore witness to me. I could understand it. And I don't know how familiar you are with the Catholic Church, but in Catholicism, the Bible is kind of viewed as this taboo, cryptic book that nobody can understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, Catholics, you know, they have a history. In, in, the, in Catholic history, they wanted to take Bibles out of people's hands. Mm-hmm. 
they killed people for for reading Bibles. And so there's this view that if you want to know anything, you need to go talk to the priest Mm -hmm. or you need to go talk to, um, you know, the Pope is going to tell you what to believe or maybe you would talk Mm -hmm. to but it's got to be some religious figure. You're never going to go straight to God. There's always mediators. You're going to pray to Mary, pray to the saints. And so for me to sit down and feel like I could understand God's word and that he was speaking to me through it was this very dramatic, life-changing moment. And when I left church that day, I never even got to speak to the pastor uh, like I thought I would. And I was already looking forward to coming back the following Sunday. So I went to the church just to talk to the pastor about his brother but I didn't even get to talk to him that Sunday, and I already couldn't wait to return. And my girlfriend, who I pretty much at that time kind of thought I was going to marry, is interesting that two people can have the exact same experience, but God opens some people's, you know, spiritually speaking, their ears and their, you know, their eyes to spiritually see and hear. Because we had the same experience, we heard the same sermon, and we left, and my girlfriend was like, <clears throat> you know, I don't really, I didn't really like that, I don't want to go back. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, that was the most amazing experience, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Did, so by I the think way, I, went, I, I was going to ask, before you continue, do you remember why you kept rejecting their offer to come? Um, I was, didn't, didn't think it would be enjoyable. You know, mm. church wasn't very attractive to me. It, I had no idea what to expect. And, you know, I just thought it, I thought it wouldn't be very fun, I guess, to gotcha. be honest. Okay. So, okay. so I went there and then, you know, the next Sunday I went back and my, my girlfriend didn't want to go. And I just said, I'll go without you. And then the next Sunday, I, I think I went by myself again and broke up with her soon after that. Mm-hmm. And someone gave me a Bible. I had never really had my own Bible or read it. And I started to read it. I heard the gospel for the first time. And it was just like, God opened my heart to, to the truth. And mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that's kind of interesting in this is my parents were super upset about me leaving the Catholic Church. So when I was saved, I really wanted my family to be saved. And mm-hmm. so I went back to my family and I'm like, hey, look, you guys need to be Christians. Nobody wants their, you know, their son to tell them that they're going to hell, which is kind of what I was doing. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> someone told me, someone told me that I was like a bull in a china shop. And so... Mm-hmm. I could have been a lot gentler. I I definitely did not have to be as offensive as I was. And the worst part was my parents had just lost my brother. And I remember my mom was crying this one time. And she said, you know, you don't understand how hard this is for us. We lost one son and now we feel like we're losing the other one. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, to make kind of a long story short here, my parents did end up at some point coming to church with me. And I did end up they became Christians. I got to baptize them. Nice. Um, we were, we were even pretty estranged there for a little while because they were so upset with me and I became very close with, with that pastor. They became like my family. So I didn't have much relationship with my own family. But then when my wife, Katie and I got together, they really liked Katie. And I told my, I was leading this Bible study. And so my parents hated that I left the Catholic church. And if I'm talking too much, just interrupt me or let me know. Okay, Jonathan. No worries. I'm, I'm all listening. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, so I'm attending. I'm so, so after I became a Christian, I was reading the Bible all the time and I really enjoyed teaching it. And I was naturally a teacher. You know, I'd been a coach. I'd been an elementary school teacher. So God used some of the skills that he'd given me for his mm-hmm. kingdom. So now instead of teaching, um, you know, and I wanted to be a pastor at that time. So, soon after I became a Christian, I really wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to tell people to open their Bibles versus telling students to open their math books. Mm -hmm. And so 
So I'm leading this home Bible study with a lot of people that are a lot older than me, you know, had been Christians a lot longer. And my parents would not come to church with me because that would mean leaving the Catholic church. But I said to them, I said, look, what if you just come to this Bible study that I'm leading? You can still be Catholic, go to the Catholic church. You can even bring your Catholic Bibles to this Bible study. I said, nobody's going to try to talk you out of Catholicism. And everyone in this Bible study knew the story with my parents. And so they, it was like this electric moment, you know, like ultra dramatic the first time my parents are going to come where everyone, like when my parents walk in, many of these people have been praying for my parents' salvation for a long time. And so my parents came in and they were like really guarded, you know, and they've got their Bibles that they're holding to their chests and, and everyone's very kind to them. And my parents liked all the people right off. Mm-hmm. And there was this very difficult thing that they had to overcome because they hated that I left the Catholic church, mm-hmm. but they were also watching me teach the Bible. Mm-hmm. They saw people listening. They appreciated what I was saying. They knew that it was biblical. And in a sense, it's like they were proud of me because they saw me doing something that they thought was wonderful even if I had to kind of leave the Catholic church to do it. So in their minds, it's like, yeah, well, maybe it's not such a bad thing that he left the Catholic church. He seems to have grown and really knows the Bible now. And so very, so then slowly they started to warm up to Christianity because they were afraid they're going to go to hell if they left the Catholic church. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I ended up baptizing them. And then when we left California and came up to Washington, my parents ended up following us. Dad was serving as a deacon in the church. Um, and that's kind of another story I can tell you about with my dad passing away unexpectedly last year. But yeah, that's a lot of talking. So I don't know if I. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you're kind of running through how, you know, you was answering the question in de- great detail. I appreciate that. In regards to some of my understanding of, you know, church history, you know, Martin Luther, 95 Thesis, mm-hmm. you know, back then I did some study, John Locke. I believe that only those who were of the educated could read the Bible. Everyone else was subject to listening. And that's when you get the rewriting of scripture and then, you know, telling people lies about money and all that stuff. So I'm pretty familiar with that, with the history. And then the, I believe, what do they, they do communion every week, right? They do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm pretty familiar with that now. So how long you been work working with God since this point? Good. So that was about, that was about 20 years ago that I became a Christian and Mm -hmm. it seemed like, you know, I wanted to be in ministry. I want to be pastoring. Mm -hmm. I I loved one of the things I would share with your listeners. Mm -hmm. um, If they wonder, you know, should I be in ministry? You kind of tell, you kind of have to be sensitive to God's leading and so, and what Mm -hmm. God is doing in your life. And so for me, I was teaching elementary school and coaching and I loved it. And I thought I would do it the rest of my life. And then as soon as I became a Christian, I dramatically felt my passion for teaching and coaching decrease. And suddenly I had this new passion for ministry and studying God's word. Mm -hmm. And so if someone said, I'm thinking of becoming a pastor, I would say, do you love God's word? Do you want to study it? Do you want to live it? Do you want to preach it? Um, If you just want to get up in front of people, I mean, that's going to wear off. So you better just love you better love a lot of hours in your office by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's most, I'm in my office at my house right now mm-hmm. and it's Sunday and I'm going to get up tomorrow and come back to my office and start putting next week's sermon together. And so if you don't love God's word and love spending most of your life in it, then that 45 or 50 minutes that you get up and preach the Bible <clears throat> is not going to be enough to keep you going, especially yeah. with all the discouragement mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's in ministry. And so for me, 
I just felt like God was taking away my desire for public school teaching and giving me this desire for ministry. And so I went into ministry about 2007 part-time as a youth pastor, uh, which gave me the same hours as all of my youth because I had summers off and holidays. And then the church grew. They hired me full-time as more of an associate pastor. And I did that until 2010 when I came to Washington. And so I've been here since 2010. So coming on 12 years uh, or a little more than 12 years and we'll probably spend our lives here. You know, we poured a lot yeah. of our hearts into this church and into these people. Gotcha. So one other thing I want to ask, when you, you know, became a follower of Christ, so that day that you heard that sermon, do you think it was a supernatural experience or you think it was just the willfulness that you had to seek God's word? You know, when we look at, I believe it's Matthew 7, 7, and I like to look at it in the NLT, you know, keep on asking, you will receive, keep on seeking, you will find, and then keep on knocking and the door and, you know, the door will enter. Right. So I'm yeah, asking, good. what was it for you? Good. I would say that it was not that because I don't think I was, I was not seeking necessarily. Mm-hmm. I was going to talk to that pastor about his brother and I was going to get counsel. Now God used that. Mm-hmm. I do think what you said can be the case. Matthew said it can be a Matthew seven situation for many people. Matthew seven seven about knocking, seeking, finding. That can be the case for people. I don't think that was really the case for me. It's almost mm-hmm. like God saved me. Just you know, um, I went there just to talk to this pastor, and then something supernatural did happen. Okay. You know, kind of like the scales fell from my eyes, from my ears. I heard God's word again. It bore witness. I understood it. And the thing is, I'm sitting there with my girlfriend who's hearing the same sermon. And it just did nothing for her. And it's always kind of shocked me how two people can have the same experience, you know, in church, yeah. hear the same sermon. One person can get saved and the other person can almost get hardened. Yeah. <clears throat> so now that you've gotten to reading, you know, the word, do you remember what the first book that you read in, the, in God's word? Yeah, good. So I didn't really know where to start. And a pastor told me, hey, why don't you you know, just kind of read a book in the Old Testament and then a book in the New Testament. So I started reading Genesis and then I started reading Matthew. And I'm telling you, Jonathan, I read Genesis and I just thought it it was like incredible. I'd never read anything like it. And I was sad when it was over because I thought, well, this is unfortunate. I just read the best book in the Bible and now there's no other book that's going to, you know, compare with that. And so I finished Genesis and then I started reading Exodus and I thought Exodus was really good. You know, I read Matthew and I thought, Matthew was a was was really wonderful too and I remember reading the sermon on the mount and it was just that was also kind of life changing. I remember bursting into the classroom to talk to some of my other teachers after I read the sermon on the mount and I was like and this is embarrassing but I was like did you know that it said all this stuff? Have you guys ever read this before? And they're like the sermon on the mount. And I'm like I guess that's what it's called and they're like yeah, I mean we read this, you know, a 100 times and I'm just like, okay, well, how could you not be telling everyone about it? It's so, so wonderful and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and then, and then a friend of mine, another teacher was like, have you, he was sharing with me about David, King David. And I, and I was so ignorant. I was just like, okay, well, where's David? You know, is that in the book of David or something? And he's like, no, it's in <laughs> Samuel. And I'm like, the, I'm like, what is Samuel about? He's like, Samuel is about, is about David. And I'm like, okay, you know, why is it? I didn't even understand why I got that name instead of being called David. And so I started reading first and second Samuel. And that was another really dramatic, I feel like moment early in my Christian life. Cause I was just so moved by David's life and really endeared, really endeared to him. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a favorite, when you look at it now, do you have a favorite book? Um, 
you know, it's funny if you if you talk to my congregation, Jonathan, they would tell you that whatever passage I'm in, I'm famous for saying it's become my new favorite passage. Because gotcha. I just feel like, and it's it's a kind of an ongoing joke, but there's a lot of truth in it. Like as soon as I start studying something, I'm just oh. like, man, this is glorious. You know, I love this, and then it kind of becomes my new favorite passage, and that's that has happened. But if I had to choose something, I feel like First and Second Samuel were very life-changing books that still have incredible significance for me. I'd probably say first and second Samuel. Okay. So if you had three to five verses off the top of your head that you would tell somebody just in any book, what would they be? Good. Would, that, that just, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate being asked that. Cause I, I'm, I would like to tell you about one of my, one of my favorite verses. Um, mm-hmm. So generally we choose favorite verses based on a verse sounding good from beginning to end, you know, mm-hmm. If you look at the at the at most people's most common favorite favorite verses, it's always like a verse that sounds good beginning to end. Well, mm-hmm. unfortunately, some really good verses end up being missing out just because they don't sound great from beginning to end. Um, well, real early on, a friend of mine, this is one of those teachers at that school, he told me that his life verse, which has now kind of become one of my life verses, it's First Samuel 2, verses 30. And I can almost guarantee you've never heard anyone say that that's their life verse before because it's a really long verse. But right in the middle of it, God says, I will honor those who honor me. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. And so he said, I believe this is an umbrella verse that covers pretty much every area of life. If you try to honor the Lord in your work, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in your spare time, whatever the case, if you try to honor the Lord, he's going to honor you. And so I think it's a good practice, whatever situation we're facing, mm-hmm. that we think of 1 Samuel 2.30 and we try to honor the Lord um, with whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it just has application for everything. And so 1 Samuel 2 verse 30 has been has been a great uh, verse for me. Um, James 4, 8, it says that God draws near to those who draw near to him. And that was a very meaningful verse to me early in my Christian life because I felt like I was going to church, drawing near to the Lord, and then he drew He drew near to me in return. Okay. You got one more? <laughs> Give us one more. Um, let me think for a second. I do like Matthew 6, 33 also, which is similar to 1 Samuel 2, 30, which says, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you because it kind of gives the impression you're supposed to go through life doing what God wants you to do and then trust him to pick up the tab or take care of everything else. So mm-hmm. we're going to, it's what I call walking the path of faith and wisdom. And mm-hmm. what, what I mean by that is we're going to walk by faith, but we're also going to apply wisdom. So for example, uh, let's just say you get in your car, you put your seatbelt on when you get in the car. You don't say, oh, I trust God. I have so much faith in God. I don't put my seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. No. So you apply wisdom and faith, right? It's like the guy that says, I need a job, but you don't have so much faith that you say, hey, I need a job. I just sit at home all day and I don't go look for a job. Mm-hmm. You know, you apply wisdom, you go look for a job and you have faith. You trust that God is going to help you find a job. And so it's a combination. You apply faith and wisdom. And that's, I mean, we know that because the Bible is filled with wisdom. There's a whole book, Proverbs is about wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so we walk by faith but we also apply wisdom, right? And it's like finances. I don't, I don't waste all my money and just say, oh, you know, I just throw away all my money, spend it on whatever I want, and I just have faith that God's going to give me all the money that I want to have. No, we, some people are broke. God has provided for them, but they're broke because 
they have been unwise or foolish with their finances. They can't turn around and say, well, you know, God just hasn't been good to me. Instead, they need to recognize that they were not being wise. And so I think that, I think Matthew 6, 33 looks to that. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. It means God's going to give you all the things he wants you to have. So we don't go through life having to be super pragmatic. We just say, what does the Lord want me to do? And then we try to do that the best we can. Mm -hmm. So as a pastor, when things get tough, do you have any verses that you go to or any books that you go to to give you comfort? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So one of the verses or one of the books that I wrote that that you probably mentioned was Enduring Trials God's Way. Mm -hmm. I preach through trials at my church. And whether we like this or not, there's no getting around the reality that God uses trials for our good and yeah, that trials, yeah. trials are one James. Yeah. James. That's it. That's right, yeah. brother. Yeah. James one, two through four. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, those are the premier verses along with, you know, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. You may be perfect and completely lacking nothing. Yeah, those Romans verses five, three, five as well. That's yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so those verses are making abundantly clear that God is going to use trials to mature us. Now, I I would like it if we can mature, you know, mm-hmm. through blessing. I mean, and God does bless us, and I'm there. This is not a criticism of blessings, mm-hmm. but the Bible doesn't say that we're going to grow through blessings. God get God does bless us; we should be thankful for them. But God grows us and matures us, and transforms us into the image and likeness of Christ mm-hmm. with trials more than almost anything else, except Scripture. John seventeen, Jesus said, "Sanctify them by your truth; your word is truth." So He also sanctifies us with the Amen. word, yeah. but trials and the word of God are the two things that sanctify us. And so, yeah, when I'm suffering, it's like, Hey, thank you, Lord. You're doing something good in my life. You know, I can say, that's why it says count it all joy. It doesn't say feel joy. You know, someone could say, well, why does the Bible say count it all joy? Cause when I'm going through trials, I don't experience joy. The Bible doesn't tell you to experience joy. It says count it as joy or reckon it as joy because of what God is doing, not feel joy or experience joy in the middle of the trial. Okay. So, what book would you recommend to a, a new convert? Good. Yeah. So, well, first, um, if you mean by new convert, like someone who's already saved, I would probably recommend Matthew or Luke so mm-hmm. that they can familiarize themselves with Jesus's life. If you're dealing with someone who is not yet a believer, mm-hmm. but is considering Christianity, I would encourage them to read John's gospel because that gospel actually tells us that it was written so people would believe. I mean, John's gospel literally says that this gospel is for people so they will believe in Jesus. And so that's why it's pretty common when you're dealing with an unbeliever who's interested, or let's say a seeker, if you want to call call him that, or someone interested in Christianity, to point them to John's gospel. There's not really a better, a better approach than that, because that's the gospel that's intended to give people faith in Christ. You know, in 1 John, there's just so much about that chapter itself that changed a lot for me in terms of how I viewed everything. It's only, like I said, it's only five chapters, but at least within it, there's quite a bit of things that you get that I get right out of the gate that kind of like led me to go and read the gospels. So uh, Matthew and everything else is good, but I've always admired first John, just the relationship, the fellowship that the disciples had and why John was writing it in the first place. So yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. I, I think First John's a really powerful book in terms of 
in terms of uh, examining ourselves and it's got a lot of tests in it so we can be confident in our salvation. Yeah. So I wanted to say, do you have any gospel songs that you love listening to? Can you give me at least five? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know where your listeners, most of your listeners are at musically. Mm-hmm. I'll just kind of share my, my okay. journey. Um, I was saved in, in a Calvary chapel, which ha- played a lot of contemporary music. And I guess I kind of thought hymns were a little boring and then I came to the <laughs> I came to the current church I pastor Woodland Christian Church, and it's more conservative. And they sing a lot of hymns, and I've really grown to love the hymns. And so now I'm kind of in the middle. You know, there's a lot of hymns that I love, and there's a lot of non hymns that that I love. I, a lot of contemporary songs I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, my children have sang a lot of the hymns at church. We're kind of getting into music as a family. And so I guess to answer your question, um, How Firm a Foundation is one of my favorite songs to sing. Um, Be Thou My Vision is one of my favorite songs to sing. Um, In Christ Alone, In Christ Alone is one of my favorite gospel songs. Um, uh-huh. Before the Throne of God Above is probably my fourth one that comes to mind. So Okay, nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. So, now that we're coming to a close here, I suppose if there's anything that I would ask is what would you tell somebody about God's word? Like what has it meant to you and what, how, how has it changed your life? Personally? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question, Jonathan. So I'm not a real charismatic guy. I, I think, you know, I can't say that I've, I've definitely never performed any miracles. You know, I, I think there's a lot of emphasis on the supernatural or charismatic side of Christianity. And I don't know that it's always um, healthy. Um, or beneficial, spiritually speaking. I think many people, if they looked at my Christian life, they might think that it was almost kind of boring or something. Um, But to me, it's been very satisfying. Since becoming a Christian, I've never woken up and thought, you know, I wonder what Mormonism has to offer. I wonder what Hinduism has to offer. I wonder what what they do in Buddhism. I've always, you know, Jesus said that he would satisfy our hunger and thirst. And I, spiritually speaking, you know, he says, if you come to me, you will not hunger or thirst again. And I've experienced that. I don't I don't, spiritually speaking, hunger and thirst any longer like I did before becoming a Christian. Well, our hunger and thirst is satisfied through Christ and a knowledge of him. And that that knowledge comes from God's word. We're not going to know the Lord except through his word. That's the revelation we have of him. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's really nothing more important than scripture. Uh, I can't emphasize enough the importance of reading it regularly, being a student of it. And here's a nice thing, Jonathan, if some of your listeners are listening to this and they say, well, you know, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know if he wants me to do this or that, if he wants me to be a fireman or a doctor or a teacher or a housewife or whatever God wants you to do. The nice thing is, if you read God's word, you're still preparing for it. You're never going to be wasting time. If you, let's say you train to be a fireman and then you become an electrician. Well, maybe you wasted a lot of time being a fireman or all the, are pursuing that. Like for me, I spent a lot of years getting my master's in education and becoming a school teacher just to become a pastor, and none of that has any benefit. But no matter what God wants you to do, if you're reading God's word, it's going to be benefiting you and preparing for it. So if young people, if young people come to me and they say, hey, I've got some free time, what should I do? You know, how can I prepare? I mean, one of the things I'm going to recommend is read God's word, be a student of it, and it's going to help you in whatever ways or areas or ministries God's called you. You want to be a better husband, you want to be a better father, better wife, mother, school teacher, doctor, lawyer, um, soldier, whatever it is, 
reading God's word is going to is going to equip you. I agree with you. Amen. Amen. So before we go, I'm going to name, you know, some of these books again so that my audience, they get a chance and they're interested and they want to dig deep in, you know, this man of God and the books that he's written, obviously, through inspiration of God's word and some personal experiences. I want you to take the time out and consider them. I know I'm going to consider his latest book, you know. I'm not married yet, but I'm pretty sure it could be useful to me personally. So <laughs> these books are, you know, your finance, your finance is God's way, work and rest God's way, a father, you know, enduring trials God's way, a father offers his son. So those are some that you be you can look at, and they on Amazon and anywhere else are they at, Scott? Um, you can go to christianbook.com or Barnes and Noble, but yeah, all the books are on Amazon. That might be one of the easiest. And you know what, Jonathan, if people, if money is tight, you know, some of your listeners are listening to this and money's tight. I didn't write books to make money. I, I wrote books because I have a message that I want to share with as many people as possible. I want to share God's word with as many people as possible. Someone, if someone's listening and they say, Hey, money's tight. I can't afford to buy something. Just reach out to me and I'll give you, give you, you know, a free copy and people can find more information about me on my website. Will you put that in the show notes, scottlapierre.org? Yes. So go, go ahead and put my, my website, scottlapierre.org and put my Amazon page my amazon author page which has my books there so people can check them out and they can reach out to me through my website i like to hear from people if they have questions or i can pray for them in any way or answer answer anything for them then i'd you know consider it a privilege to hear from them and any social media platforms that you want that you want to put out there yeah well? yeah thanks jonathan so my youtube channel just search for my name scott lapierre uh that has my guest preaching messages my conference messages my sermons uh before we start interviewing i was uploading my sermon from today so people can listen to that. And so that's a, um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, most of these places people can find me if they just search for Scallop here. But my website's the main hub. From my website, it goes out to all these other, it has my social media, my books, my messages. But the other thing is my, my website, I also give people a free book. It's called Seven Biblical Insights for Marriage. If they just go to my website, they can download that for free. And I hope it's a gift that blesses them. Yes, and I've also listened to it. It was really good. Just want to put it out there. Okay, so you don't mind, Pastor, because you close out in prayer for Yeah, us? yeah, I can. Father, I thank you for Jonathan, for his heart to equip others. I, li- I like seeing a young, uh, young single man that's using his time wisely, uh, not wasting it on whatever it's video games or movies, but is serving your kingdom. Uh, he's a good example, Lord. I pray you bless his efforts, bless his ministry, uh, not for his glory, but for yours. And I pray, Lord, for all the listeners that their hearts are receptive to what they've heard and that they would grow in their love for you and for your word. And I pray, Lord, like we read 1 Samuel 2.30, uh, or we talked about, that you honor those who honor you. Help us to honor you, Lord. We recognize you're worthy of all honor and, and uh, worship. And so I do pray we would honor you, Lord, and worship you. I thank you for this time with Jonathan. Again, bless his, his ministry and his listeners. For your glory and honor, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.